Stories. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest brings 20 years of marketing transformation experience to her business, better way to say it, a change management and team performance practice. One of her clients dubbed her a marketing therapist years ago for her ability to get dysfunctional teams back on track and the label stuck. And I've had conversations with her and this absolutely applies. She relies on facilitation skills to build consensus around tactical areas like processes, workflows and technology that allow change to actually stick. She's a certified professional coach as well as an external practitioner for the Fearless Organization using psychological safety index as a team performance benchmark. Along with with Melissa Brecker, she recently co-authored and published Change Fatigue, Flip Teams from Burnout to Buy-In, and is an absolute must-read for any team leader. I just finished the book um, coming out of content marketing world, and it was amazing. This book is fueled and inspired by her experience that key predictors of any success is not just having a great plan, but planning for the change that comes with it. She's an avid reader, fierce game night competitor, I gotta hear about those games, and former top person of the family water ski pyramids, I wanna know about the crashes. Uh, she's just an amazing individual, and welcome Jenny Magic. I know, this is great. It's been a couple of weeks since Content Marketing World, and I'm sure the, well, I'm hoping the spin, I don't know about you, I always have a fair bit of spin coming out of that one, um, has settled down and, and life has gotten back. But as I shared, these are just like s- seriously the highlights. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about you and, and how you got to be the, the change guru? Yeah, I love it. You know what? I realized in the time since I sent you the bio and this conversation, I've actually had a rebrand. So that's news and exciting. So uh, I started Better Way to Say It. No, you're fine. Better Way to Say It was a 15 years ago idea. And I've been writing that um, that brand for a while, which I'll tell you all about in a minute. But um, I'm now Build Better Change to really emphasize and underscore the work that we're doing. So um, yeah, all those years ago, I started a content strategy and content uh, marketing company called Better Way to Say It and um, got my feet under me really helping organizations tell their stories better. And along the way, I realized that the most, um, the thing that I was drawn to and most passionate about wasn't actually what the business was trying to say, but what the audience wanted to hear and where the intersection was, the empathy intersection between brands and their audiences. And so I really specialized for about a decade in um, audience personas and journey mapping and all the kind of work that goes into helping organizations sort of build their empathy muscle and understand um, how they can best actually authentically communicate with their audience instead of just like pushing sales messages out. And that's where I was heading into the pandemic. And for a lot of people and myself included, that whole crisis just really made us stop and rethink, uh, what am I doing? What do, what do I want to achieve? And I realized that the the projects I was most excited about were actually a subset of my work. And they were where we were turning that same thinking, that same empathetic persona, journey map, storytelling onto internal audiences. So as a marketing strategist, it's my job to walk into an organization and hear what the leaders want to do and how they want to take their team to new heights, new innovations, um, craft a strategy that has a high chance of success, and then often as a consultant, leave that in their hands and hope for the best. And 
the thing that was really discouraging for me in that time frame a few years ago was realizing that um, that last mile was often the hardest for them. And um, I realized it was because there wasn't a whole lot of bridging between what leadership wanted to achieve and how people felt about achieving it. And that is a very similar dialogue that businesses are having with their customers, right? Like, here's what I want to sell you and here's what you want to buy. And the best stories are the ones about the intersection. And I realized that strategy is no different. You know, here's what leadership wants the company to do. And here's the organization of people that are going to have to pull that off. And we need the story that is the most aligned version of those two things. So um, I spent a couple of years um, sort of honing my skills. I, I worked with the game storming team on some facilitation skills. I got certified as a professional coach. I worked with Amy Edmondson's team. Um, she's the Harvard researcher who came up with the idea of psychological safety. Um, and her book, The Fearless Organization, is a fantastic recommendation. Um, but became certified with them to benchmark psychological safety on teams and really just started thinking, my strategy work will get a lot better if I can work on this last mile piece. And then I realized um, with the publishing of the book, it really is almost the last mile is becoming the focus. So, you know, I don't know if that's a a long-term permanent pivot, but I'm definitely really focused right this minute on helping teams embrace change. I cannot tell you how much I love the focus of that. One of the things that uh, Robert likes to quote me on is, you know, Kathy says change, yay, says no one ever. Right. Which is which is true, right? That's just, that's the book I should write is change, yay, said no one ever. It's so wonderful to see the long time coming focus on the internal team's impact on external success. I come from my audience knows I come from a background of internal comms is where I started my career and so have always leaned into uh, internal audiences as a primary audience, not something to, oh yeah, them too. But you know, when you do persona work, when you look at journeys, when you think about your number one marketers, it's your team. So you've got to understand how they work. And I, you know, the psychological safety is something that is not considered even for a second in so many organizations, yet it is such a big thing, especially in today's world. So, I mean, your book couldn't have come at a better time, especially coming out of the complete upheaval all of our lives took uh, a few years ago. We don't say that word anymore. So that's, um, it's all good. <laughs> so I, I, we're going to dig into more, but as my audience knows and, and you that I always start with the first four questions. So if you're ready to go, we'll get into those. Oh yeah, let's do it. Excellent. So what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? I was certain in about middle school that I was going to be a lawyer because every adult around me told me I would be a good lawyer because of how much arguing I like to do. So I apparently had a lawyer temperament, learned later that lawyers do a whole lot of things that are not the fun arguing part. And so that quickly uh, went by the wayside. But that was definitely my uh, persona in the, the early, early childhood. Yeah, I think my son has followed that too. I've, I told him that all the time. It's like, you know, it's just the way he can yes, no, like to the point and then argue pretty much anything, which his father says gets it from me. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yes, um, yeah, lawyer, definitely. I can I could see that. You would have made a good one. Uh, you would have made a great like negotiator or mediator. I am. I'm just in a different context. There you go. And you didn't have to go to law school. There you go. Far, so good yeah. for you. Who was the first big influencer you remember on your life? Um, 
you know, besides the obvious answers, I think uh, my sister was the one that jumped out at me. I have a younger sister, and we set ourselves up in early childhood and, and early growing up years as um, diametrically opposed, sort of like if I was good in school, she was the sporty one. If I, you know, we, we were very interested in basically defining each other opposite from each other. And what's been really fascinating is as we grow into adults, that has completely evolved. She now actually works in my company on my team. And um, it's just really interesting to think about um, from a personality perspective, those people that you chose to sort of like define yourself in perspective from. So, Is there a song that epitomizes your career path? Um, it would have to be Closer to Fine by the Indigo Girls. I love the line that says, uh, the less I seek my source for some definitive, the closer I am to find. Basically saying like, there's no external validation needed here, right? I need to look inside and figure out the storyline. And my career path has been definitely a little bit you know, of a journey. So it's been, that aligns with me. And if you ever want to take up singing, you have a lovely voice. <laughs> know about that. Definitely karaoke only, car karaoke. <laughs> from the top of the pyramid, right? Right. There you go. Yes. No one can hear you when the wind's blowing you from the boat. So there you go. What are the three words you use to best describe you and or your career? The ones that jumped to mind when I read this question was bold refiner. Um, I really like speaking truth to power and helping leaders really refine their perspectives. Um, but I also would add the word empathetic in there too, because, uh, it doesn't really work unless you're truly perspective taking from both sides of the storyline. So that's an interesting perspective. So often in our world of consulting, we have a definite opinion. We, we look at things, you know, my title is chief problem solver. So looking at every opportunity, everything that the client presents as an opportunity to improve, to make things better, to solve, solve a problem. But you make a really good point with regard to you can't really help someone unless, again, you know, the old saying of walking a mile in their shoes. And yeah trying to understand where they're coming from. So you don't have to necessarily know, but being empathetic um, to, to, to endeavor to seek that, that understanding, I think, is a really, really important thing that we often in business um, eschew a little bit. We don't, we don't focus on that and we don't make it um, a key factor of our decision-making or planning. I would just add that I think many many, many years of discovery and intake calls in consulting have taught me that, um, and I think we know this when we when we take off our business hat and we think about our, our parenting hat or our politics hat, we know that there are a thousand ways to tell a story and there are a thousand perspectives that are all true. But often in strategy, planning, consulting, uh, you're getting your intake from just a few voices. And um, I think the, the piece that I really want to bring that empathy to is understanding that there are lots of true stories in addition to the one that the leadership is telling me and having sort of permission to go interview and inquire about those stories has really been transformative in my work. That's excellent. Love that. So from a career journey, so you talked about, you know, starting a, a business close to 20 years ago building it successfully. You've worked with some amazing customers and clients. Clearly, they see value in, in what you're doing. And then, you know, the book comes, you pivot to a new brand. 
Tell me a little bit about the journey that got you here, because that takes some chutzpah to take something that's established and known and say, this needs to change. I need to evolve and all of the risks that that is a part of that. Yeah, I think for me, um, I just have never framed change as risk. I think it's one of the reasons um, I love my job. But um, my husband will tell you about every six months if things are going well, I'm going to blow something up. Like I, I get a little bit, a little bit itchy if things are just a little too peaceful. So um, I have known for almost two decades that the career I was doing wasn't quite it, but I didn't know what it was. So um, I had the amazing opportunity to go to college early, which meant I had to lock in a major when I was still 17 years old. And I picked marketing because I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew I was probably going to have to sell it. I remember vividly thinking like, these skills are going to come in handy no matter what I decide to do. I did not expect that all those years later, I would still be like squarely in marketing. But um, I... Graduated college in the dot-com bust of the early 2000s and, uh, you know, did everything from answer phones at the Austin Business Journal to put wedding dresses on wealthy brides um, before I got an opportunity to take a job at a startup. And the cool slash terrifying thing about it was these guys had built and sold a successful business. They had contractual reasons not to reform as a new business, but they wanted to start collaborating and thinking about something and they wanted me to join that team. So they said, um, we would like you to be part of this. We don't have a company to hire you. So um, we're going to basically mentor you into starting your own LLC. And um, so I had my first business at 24 and I ended up when the business was formed and, and got its act together, I became the marketing director. But, um, you know, that was, I think my first foray into entrepreneurism, although I have my family is a long history of, um, you know, ranchers and self-employed and works with your hands kind of folks. So I've I've seen what it means to make a living for yourself. But um, the idea that I was going to go off and, you know, start a business and build a website and all that stuff. um, Luckily, I had mentors in that early. Um, So when I met my now husband and he lived in San Diego and I lived in Dallas and I decided that California had some appeal, I moved out there and um, took a job that wasn't a great fit and decided to just pull off the bandaid and start better way to say it. So, um, this sense of, of like flip flopping between self-employed and employed and figuring things out has always sort of been, um, been part of my ethos, I guess. And, um, there was even a couple spots in the last 15 years where I, I got a hankering to work in public policy and see if I could use marketing to change the world. And so I have a couple years, on my resume where I went and tried to help um, public education get better here in the state. So, um, you know, lots of detours, just trying to follow my gut and um, trust that the right thing will happen. But it really was that awareness as we watched um, people come back from the pandemic. And basically, I've been observing what I can only describe as a workforce rebellion in a lot of organizations and really realizing that there was a huge opportunity to bridge the gap between um where organizations were and where their employees wanted them to be. So anyway, long story. <laughs> Good story. <laughs> Not long at all. So, I mean, you, you, you go to school early, which is daunting in itself. You, you have the foresight to say, well, marketing is something that applies to everything. It's not industry specific. It's not role specific. It's, it's a good thing to have in general, which is 
incredibly incredibly prescient as a 17 year old so again good on you so but so you you try these these different jobs and you you do different things you're finding little bits and things that um, you like and I, I loved what your husband said about you know if things are going well then you probably need to do something different you and I are very akin on on that front was there something was there a defining moment action you know you've you've watched your family have their own businesses um clearly had some great not only mentors but advocates for you to to really bolster you up and and build a confidence which can be particularly difficult in young women particularly in technology um was there something a defining moment or action that really significantly impacted and and really put in your gut like i can do this this is what i want to do you know, it, um, it was more of a mindset shift than an external thing, but I think um, I had spent a lot of my career watching these amazing mentors, and I have had so many um, awesome people, you know, reach down and lift a hand up. Um, Jay Barrett, Convinced to Convert, being one of them, adding me to his team, and I just remember thinking, like, what an amazing team to be able to consult alongside with because they're just so brilliant, all of them. Um, but I, I remember you know, again, just in the last three or four years, realizing that um, the clock is ticking and the people that I admire, um, you know, they, they didn't wait to write the book or to, you know, to, to re-pivot or focus, you know, they, they kind of were doing bold and interesting things. And I think um, just this sense of looking around and realizing I am one of you, I deserve to be in the crowd of, of published authors. Like there's nothing holding me back but myself. And I think, um it's a, a soapbox I get on all the time now about publishing a book because the the process was incredibly joyful. Uh, I, I tell people to write their rant. Whatever it is that you can't stop talking about, just start writing it down. A book will many times just pour out of you if you focus on the right things. And it's been truly, like, absolutely transformative in the way that I think about myself in addition to like the tangible things that you hope that we've received, you know, bestseller this and lots of podcasts and lots of new clients and activity, but it's really what it did for me to finally sort of in my own head, join the club instead of watching from the outside. Um, and I don't know, I, I think to some extent I credit the pandemic and just sort of that chaotic reevaluation we all did um, professionally and personally in that time frame. So that is, I, you know, I always ask counsel and I still will. So you have to think of something else. But I think that's some of the best piece of advice you can give anybody, regardless of where they're at in their career, their age, their gender, you know, whatever they do is that you have a right to be up there with everybody else. The people that you admire, the people that you aspire to be, that you want to align um, your being with. Uh, there's nothing to stop you from doing that except for usually what's between your ears. That's the, that's the biggest thing to overcome. I look, I can sort of credit one little exercise. There's actually two exercises. I don't know if this counts as your counsel question, but there's two things that have been also really um, helpful in, in refining my thinking. One is a Google document I started a long time ago, at least a decade ago. Um, I call it the magic manifesto. And basically anytime I came across an article I wish I'd written, I came across someone's LinkedIn profile that either inspired me or twinged a little envy. One of my mentors a long time ago said, follow your envy. And I find that to be really good advice. Um, anytime I 
had a really great conversation and kind of had a new way of looking at my talent or like something that was unique about me, I would just jot it in this document. It's now like a 20 page document of like, uh, you know, my, my cosmic superpower is this, I'm put on this earth to X. I am most myself when I Y and just kind of using this as a written sounding board. Um, and then the other thing I do is once a month on the first of the month, I journal, I look ahead and I say like, okay, it's one month from now. What if everything went exactly the way you wanted? What would that look like? What, you know, if every work deal closed and everybody agreed with you and, on you know, the weather was nice on that important day, like, you know, if you could wave the wand and everything perfectly happened, what would that look like? I think those two practices over a really long period of time where I wasn't blowing up my business, but I was thinking it put me in a really interesting spot when I had the right idea, I was prepared to move in a way that I think I could have really stalled and thought and over over considered if I hadn't been doing that like little bitty work along the way. I like that. I'm I'm one who struggles with journaling. I totally understand the value and of writing things down and it's you know, it's a journal block. It's like, ugh, if I write it yeah. down then then it doesn't happen and what does that make me and and all of those things. So to overcome that I love the magic manifesto. You need to publish that. <laughs> Uh, I will say the thing that got me journaling is a digital notebook. I know that sounds silly, but this idea that I always had to have the right paper, I'd be like, oh, I can't journal. I don't have my, you know, whatever appropriate notebook in front of me. And so I now I just use a, t a little tablet that's meant for just taking notes. And that's been the, the really the unlock key for me to actually be able to write things down. Silly. I love well, and I played around with your little digital tablet and went, oh, yes, please. Thank you. Because I love the I love the feel of writing. But like you probably tried a whole bunch of different things and then your notebook gets messy and you want to start a new one. And <laughs> so tell me about your current role. You've pivoted to this new brand. You've got this great, relatively new book out. It's been about six months or so. Yeah. Uh, you have a family you have a life. Uh, how, what is, what does today look like versus maybe, you know, even just a short time ago? And yeah. How have things changed the challenges, the compromises? That's a great question. Uh, my husband's also self-employed. He's an architect here in Austin. And we have for a long time um, had annual planning that kind of says like, what's the next year? like for you. And at the, about this time we sit down and have that conversation. And this time last year I said, Hey, next year I, I have, I have an idea. I think I want to go, I think I'm going to go for it. And, um, it was one of those things where I'm a sprinter, not a marathoner. So we, my team and I made a lot of changes in the last 10 months. Um, I hired my editor on the last day of 2022. So the book was just a few ideas and an outline at the beginning of the year. We were pencils down in March. We were for sale online in May and hit the bestseller list that day. Um, then we immediately got so much great feedback that we uh, hired a PR firm and kind of went on a little press junket. We had lots of podcasts and lots of articles. I didn't expect for that to happen. The timing was right. Um and then we had a lot of people say, the book is great. It's full of amazing ideas. I believe everything you say, but my team is not going to read it. And I need a way to take this into my meetings and like do something with this content. So um, we're right now in the middle of a beta test for our course called Build Better Buy-In that is intended to be like the book in 
templates, actionable, take it to your meeting, take it to your team kind of thing. So, um, you know, so along the way, it's been like learning about course development and course platforms and reviving a sort of archived email newsletter situation and, you know, all the things that go into telling your own story. It's been a long time since I focused on telling my story as opposed to telling the stories of the clients I work with. And so um, it's been a pedal to the metal year. It's been it's been a lot of work, but it's also been really joyful work because I feel really aligned with my natural calling, I guess you could say. Um, and the other thing that's been amazing this year is um, historically, I have been a very frugal business owner. I work for myself. I build my own websites. I you know, do a lot of the admin stuff all along the way just because it made sense to me. And I, I really think it's hard to hire out stuff that you um, that you haven't done. And I've had experiments with employees along the way and just kind of realized I'm, I'm a solo cat. Um, but this year, I brought on a lot of amazing help. I already mentioned my book editor, obviously the design folks that went into it, um, a virtual assistant for the first time this year. I've got a Marcom person supporting me. I hired a book, uh, I mean, a, a course coach to help work alongside the mechanics of getting a course out the door. And it was tricky to invest in myself in that way after years of not. Um, it was like a mindset shift to be able to like feel worthy of the investment. But that has been probably the thing that saved me from going a little nuts this year uh, in terms of just like too much on the plate and getting it all done. So, um, you know, it's definitely been (laughs) my kid knocked on the door the other Saturday morning and he was like, is today an all work Saturday or a part work Saturday? (laughs) It's like, if you framed it up that way, that's, you know, that's the season we've been in. But luckily it is... um, it's leveling off and we're really looking forward to a good, um, good rest of the year and going into the new year with a little more peace. Well, all of those investments make complete sense. And I understand I've worked for myself now for 12 years and, you know, it, that's a really difficult thing. And it's, I think it's one of the reasons that Robert and I haven't, that, that we didn't build out the business, right. Is we, one, we like doing the work so yeah, you can build out the business and give the admin and the little stuff to other people, but that's not how you scale business. No. <laughs> you need to you need to scale yourself, right? And and there's some it's it's okay, you know. And that's one of the lessons I learned was it's okay not to want to build something mammoth. Yeah, you know, to 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 do something that you enjoy doing and do it yourself. And you know, if it grows organically and it it goes into that, that's fine. But to just say, you know what, I'm good with the way things are. Yeah. And delivering what I do and doing it well, then that's okay. Yeah. It, that was a real tricky one for me too. I think, um, I think as you mature in that kind of capacity, you're, you start to think like, am I going to try to find more hours in the day by outsourcing work that I don't want to do? Am I going to try to multiply myself by training someone in my way of thinking? Am I going to try to multiply myself through, you know, digital means like a book and a course and stuff like that. And I think there's pros and cons to all the different ways of thinking about it. Um, And there's not a lot of mentorship in that capacity. So I think I'm really grateful for the Content Marketing World Tribe because there are a number of people in that group who have chosen different versions and then chosen different versions for different periods of, you know, gone back and forth between the ways that, um, that thought leaders can take their special superpowers and turn it into a career. And it's been really interesting to observe some of those, especially up close and kind of go, you know, there was a time period where I thought 
um, I love being on stage. I love public speaking. And I was watching some of the people around me, you know, travel around the world and, and be keynote speakers as a significant part of their business model. And I thought, ooh, that's cool. And then I got close to a few of those people and got to see kind of behind the curtain. And I was like, oh, my kids are currently 11 and seven. Like that is not the thing I want to be doing right this minute. So, you know, it just kind of went like, "Mm, let me, let me view that from all perspectives before I start to idealize something. Um, And then knowing that like, this isn't the end. So maybe that's a part of later, but, um, but yeah, it's been an interesting, an interesting year. So I have to ask, you mentioned earlier that you knew when you started your first business that it wasn't the it, yeah. the, the quotational it. Is this it? Is this the, like, did you get the check mark in the belly yeah. or is it a little more full, but still something not quite there? You know, I think the business model will refine itself and the storytelling is still kind of new. But for me personally, I think the shift from helping businesses achieve business goals to helping people achieve people goals within business is, is it for me? Like the sense that the people have always been the most essential part of any part of my work, but to really like put that front and center and say, you know, leaders, if you're not getting what you want to get done, it's at least a little bit part of the plan that you're trying to lead, but also like the way you're treating the people around you. And that's the part that we can all get better at and we can all do the work and figure out our biases and our gaps and our perspective. Definitely big check mark in my belly that that's what I want to be doing, you know, for the next two decades. Well, that's good. Which makes this next question a little challenging, maybe. Uh, if you weren't in the coaching change guru people space, what would you be? What is Jenny's alter ego in a space where there's no limitations? Hmm, that is such a hard question. Um, I know what it's not because I volunteer at my kids' elementary school and teachers are saints. And that is not that is not my talent. They have so much patience and amazingness. Um, I think I could have made a really great librarian in a different era. I love reading. I love books. I love connecting people who are reluctant readers with books I love. Um, so, you know, I think there's some storytelling there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe a therapist. I think I could have, you know, doing this all day, every day. I, I jokingly get called a therapist in my work, but um, but there's there's a career path in there too, so. What book What book are you currently reading, both fiction and nonfiction, if you have a couple in the uh, You know, right now I'm actually reading along with my 11-year-old a book called Chains about a young woman enslaved in the 1860s, so that's exciting. Um, I haven't had a lot of time for reading, <laughs> let's be honest. It's been okay. a busy season, so uh, YA is where it's at right now, apparently, so... That's okay. That's absolutely all right. I highly uh, recommend and, and th- when I find those times because the dog still needs to be right. walked and the dishes still need to be done, um, audiobooks. Yes, for sure. I have a, st- because... I have a tall to-be-read pile, always. But, um... <laughs> always. <laughs> so for our listeners, and I, I warned you this was coming, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice on life, career, success, happiness, really anything you want to share? Hmm. I think the realization that no one was going to do it for me, I think I always knew that, but just really accepting that there wasn't ever going to be like a red carpet rolled out to get where I wanted to go, that it was on me to figure it out and to ask hard questions. Um, So I think the advice would probably be find great mentors. 
Uh, and the way you find great mentors is by being helpful. So find people you admire and figure out how you can be helpful to them in any way, shape, capacity. You know, I would go up to speakers uh, at conferences and I would say like, um, I took these notes and I, I just wanted you to know like what my thoughts were. And I don't know if that's helpful to you or not, but here's some some perspective I got from listening to you. And I know as a speaker now, if someone walked up to me and, and gave me their thoughts and notes, it would be so grateful. I started so many conversations with future mentors by just you know, trying to be as helpful as I could. Um, because those same people over a lifetime of being as helpful as you can just have it in them to be helpful back. And I can look at almost every interesting pivot or leapfrog I did career wise. And there's a person right beside me who was either cheering me on opening doors, making connections, you know, all of the above. That's that's a really interesting way of, of thinking about it. And I like what you said about when you're helpful to someone they're likely to be helpful back. It may not be helpful to you, but because you've paid it forward, they're going to pay it forward to somebody else. So just that cascading impact yeah. on on raising people up. Well, and I mean, psychologically, we know like the the reciprocity thing is real. So there's a real thing at work there. But I also, I, I my necklace, you can't see, here's a circle. I, I firmly believe in karma and the sense that what you put out in the world, you get back. And I think if you are just... If you wake up every day and think, how can I serve, then most likely the world around you is going to see you in that light and and serve back when they have the opportunity. At least that's been my experience. Could not agree with you more. And what a wonderful place to end this conversation. Where You've been speaking like crazy. I saw on LinkedIn today, you're already queuing up sessions for next year. So where can our audience find you? Web, social, are you spe- any more conferences coming up? I know my tour, thankfully, is winding down. Yes, I, like I said, I'm trying to make the fall a slower season. So in person, less, but um, Build Better Buy-In course is launching November 1st. Um, changefatigue.com is the book and course website. And I, of course, love hearing from people on LinkedIn. I like real conversations. So if anything I said was inspiring, please drop me a line. I'd love to say hello to any and all of your listeners. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jenny. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for today's conversation. To my audience, again, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my, enjoyed my conversation with Jenny and hearing about how putting it forward and really focusing on self to and setting a plan will help you evolve through your own change, which in turn can help others change, and it just creates success across the board. If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, you can head over to the unchartedjourneys.net site and listen to some other episodes. You can also sign up for our email list and check out the links and resources in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. I'm trying to tell you something about my life. Maybe give me insight between black and white. And the best thing you've ever done for me to help me take my life less seriously it's only life after all yeah well darkness has a hunger that's insatiable and lightness has a call that's hard to hear and i wrap my fear around me like a blanket I sail my ship of safety till I sank it I'm crawling on your shores I went to the doctor I went to the mountains I looked to the children I drank from the fountains There's more than one answer to these questions
crooked line And the less I seek my source for some definitive Closer I 